millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Actually, no, I'm going to scrap that. I realised this weekend just how seriously JB takes rugby. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me set the scene. I was, I was working uh, at Newcastle against Toulon for BT Sport on Friday night and we were off air at 10pm. At 10pm exactly... As soon as he knew we were off air, JB bobbed me a little message saying, oh, can you get me Johnny Williams' phone number? Because um, JB is constantly networking. I Constantly, know about never him. stop, never off duty. And, and you're a big fan of Johnny Williams. I'm a huge fan of Johnny Williams. You are, yeah. talking about for England. Yeah. He's a good lad. Or Scotland or Wales. Or, uh, tell you what, you, him and Rob did a really good good job on Friday. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, he, was, he was a nice guy. Anyway, so that, that, that was at 10pm. And then it's only the, the following day I realised that, oh, hold on a minute. JB was texting me mere out, several, just a few hours after the birth of his second child. That is correct, yeah. Well, you know, she was born. Um, <laughs> you know, she's stayed over a few nights in hospital, but I, I was home watching the rugby, and, uh, you know, Johnny Williams is there, you're there. You seem like, you know, always, e- always even, working. Even weirder, before the game on Friday, uh, I had a long day at work, went and did a quick half an hour walk bike session, and as I was leaving the gym to go and watch the game, who do I see in the gym? Mere hours. <laughs> Maybe not even hours, plural, after the birth of his second child. But JB, so not only do you take rugby very, very seriously, you also take your impeccable physique very seriously. And actually my club rugby too, because I managed to play against Witness as well. <laughs> well so. Remarkable. Well, congratulations. Thank yes, you very much. Obviously. Yes. Um, and I'll, I will get you that number. Um, I've got a little game to kick off the podcast, which uh, obviously we're going to feature the final round of pool matches in the European Champions Cup, uh, Challenge Cup as well. We will touch on now and looking at, ahead to the quarterfinals, there was an England squad announced, other international pre-Six Nations squads announced. There's some various other stories and rumours and, and whatnot. Uh, and, uh, but I want to start with just with one little question. Okay. So, uh, and this is a kind of a rugby social light because it's just one question and it comes via Will Greenwood. Now, in Will Greenwood's um, Instagram stories, he... How Will Greenwood, fan of mind-altering party drugs, Will Greenwood? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, um, there was a couple of good uh, Instagram stories. But, yeah. Never mind. Don't, don't worry about oh, it. Oh, sorry. Sorry. 
Uh, sorry, uh, I probably made, I probably made a joke. Now look really horrible. <laughs> yeah, he definitely wasn't on drugs. By he, the way, yeah. he just, he does he just not... completed a very tough CrossFit oh, workout. Yes, yeah. I remember now. He does not do mind-altering party drugs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what what phrase did he use that could be motivation for our week ahead? Oh, he, this did, is so Will Greenwood. Did he? Well, oh, okay. Guess before I even give you some options. Go on. Oh God, this is so him at the moment. He, the he week loves ahead his work fr- from now. Yeah. So it might motivate us for the week ahead. He just finished a workout and he used a phrase that that it's like remember, and then he said a phrase. <sighs> just wondered if thought it might. I thought it might work as a Monday motivation if you're listening on a Monday. Yeah, well, well, I'm like, sure everyone's tuned into the I brand mean, new Chris I, Evans breakfast show on Virgin Radio, which starts uh, Monday the 21st <laughs> of January. Is it something like I mean, like the women's equivalent of like this would be something like moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips, that kind of motivation. Is it something along those lines? Is it I'll, nice and snappy? I'll tell you what, I'll give you three options. Go on then. Do you think it is embrace the pain, get up and go again, or nothing less than everything? Oh, Ooh. nothing less than everything. I was going to say that that one. I mean, that's just so... If you watch his Instagram, that's so him. I'm going to... I'd have to say the same. We all feel like this this week. Whatever job you do, whatever training you Get up and go again. Get up and go again. So, do you know what's mentioning the mind-altering party drugs? And you didn't, you didn't get it. That is very reminiscent of his last one, actually. Uh, it sounds kind of sinister, doesn't it? If I said, oh, "Have you seen that? Have you have you seen that um, that little Instagram story from that from that guy who's uh, up for murder?" Yeah. We all feel like this this week. How many you've killed? It's like I like it. It's, it's like fun. Apocalypse Now or something. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's, the things that I saw in Nam. It's kind of like he just cleared out his second trench in uh, the Battle of Verdun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what I like about it is is it's authentic. Well, he's definitely massively into his CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I, totally. I reckon, right? When you are such a high level athlete as he's been in the past. I don't think that ever leaves you, that, that desire to work out and compete. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. I agree. So there you go. I, I, I thought that, that to kick off the podcast might be motivation. So whatever job you do, get up and go again. Get up. Get up and go again. Go again. I'll remember that. Um, well, let's get up and go again. Let's what, get up what? and go again. So do you want to start with Champions Cup or do you want to start with England squad? England squad's more fun. Yeah, let's do that then. Uh, is Champions Cup more fun? No, because well, we can we can knock the, the, the England squad. It's not going to take done. too long, is it? Yeah, I, I think we go Champions Cup. I think we start off chronologi- chronologically oh. from the big games. Oh, okay. So, obviously, the biggest game of the weekend was uh, newcastle Toulon Tim. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm sure everyone... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for that. Yeah, mm. that, was, that, that was the big one. That was... Um, I, I've... I was I could not feel my face. It was so cold. <laughs> I'm amazed how cold you broadcasters get. I, I last time I was cold, it was like 1989 or something. Like I, you're always whinging about being cold. I know it's you, tough. You always go on about how you don't feel the cold. Certainly not not like these guys. And there's several layers. I'm sure there's some scientific reason for that. Like Neil Hatley. How how does Neil Hatley? He wears shorts all all the time. Yeah, shorts and a short sleeve t-shirt, and he, he sat next to Eddie Jones at, at watching matches, and Eddie Jones. Hat, snood, massive coat, gloves. Eddie Jones is a tiny, tiny man, though. That's what you've mm. got to remember. It's all about insulation. It is. Neil Hartley's a big bloke. Very well insulated. Very well insulated. But doesn't that mean he's got and more surface area through which to lose 
Well, here. we had this argument the other day, actually. And no, it's not like that. Me and uh, oh, me and Ollie Paul, friend of the podcast. Um, no, uh, Ollie is actually right on the, on on this because it's the ratio. It's the ratio. That's why the surface area uh, to volume. That's why whales are so massive and, and live in the Arctic. Oh yes, yes. And they all also have a thick layer of insulation. Indeed, the whales. Uh, yeah, Neil Hatley, back off to Bath is a, is the word. Yeah, that's a great signing if that happens. Mm. It would be a very good signing. So yeah, Friday night the other the other game, the other game, the big game. So this was to to decide who tops uh, the pool and who goes through. Yeah, and there was only one winner, and it was a hell of a performance by Edinburgh. Yeah, loved it, loved it. I I thought they could do it. I I kind of wondered a week before last if they were talking themselves out of winning with the whole this is going to be the biggest result in our history. Well, actually, it wasn't. I think this one justifiably is though. Yes, and getting the quarterfinal spot. And getting a home quarter-final spot. Massive. A group with Toulon, admittedly they're not the Toulon of a few years ago, but it is still Toulon and they are one of the most expensive teams in Europe. And Montpellier, who might actually be the most expensive and the most massive. And just the names on the team sheet of that Montpellier team is unbelievable. Mm. But Edinburgh, Edinburgh bullied them. They did, actually. Their scrum, the Edinburgh scrum, Schumann and WP Nell, did an absolute number on... World Cup winning. I mean, um, Yanni Duplessis got taken off after half an hour. A World Cup winning tight head with probably 50 plus, 80 plus caps for South Africa. Now, is this Schumann fella? I mean, he is, he's, I think he's Western Province originally. Is, are they looking at him as some sort of project player? I know that you're well into project players, Tim. Oh, yeah. I, I would imagine they've got an eye on that. He's got an eye on that. Cause, so he's... He is only 24. Yeah. He's absolutely enormous. He is. Bloody good good carrier. I thought uh, McAnally was excellent. I uh, I think Toolis grows every game. I thought, so it was interesting that was either last week or two weeks ago, you commented on WP Nell saying he's such an old school scrummager. Okay, let me clarify this. And then... He is an old school scrummager. He absolutely is an old school scrummager. It was almost like he was listening to you and just saying, look at all the other tricks I've got in in my book. Hold my base. Yeah. The offload, the through-the-legs pass, the meters made, defenders beaten. Now, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial. Does this Edinburgh team remind you of where Glasgow were three years ago? Or four years ago? Um, It does seem there's similarities, certainly. I mean, they've got the offloading magical Fijian. Yeah. It's all based around a good, tough forward pack. I, I think their, their pack is better than where Edinburgh were. Yeah, you're probably right, but they actually but they don't have like the likes of so Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg are world world class. I'm not saying uh DeWalt and Kinghorn. DeWalt is very not, good. Yeah, it's uh, not that they're not good players, but they're nowhere near yet they're nowhere near Russell and Hogg. And also both teams had have and play he, uh, Henry Pergos. <laughs> which is the other uh, yeah. thread here. But it just feels like, you know, they're a little bit underrated unless you know what you're talking about, unless you've watched them. Um, and they're going from strength they're going from strength to strength. Richard Richard Cockrell must be giggling, sitting back and looking at the premiership and its performance in Europe and sitting where he is. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah like he would be deservedly he deserves the right to sit back, laugh and feel very smug. It's a weird one, isn't it? It's a weird it one. Is. Yeah, I still think they were right to fire him. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd even knowing all the the amazing amazing work he's doing at Edinburgh. 
Maybe, and we'll you know, continue break to do. Is good, uh, change but, is as good as a break. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I understand it. At the time, I, I was never in favour of getting rid of Cockerell, but I was very aware at the time that that was just very biased because I think he's an, a, an absolutely brilliant bloke. Mm. And much like, you know, JB with... Steve Diamond. Whoa, there's no bias there, what? Tim. No bias. No there bias whatsoever. at all. Uh, did you catch a Steve Diamond in, uh, interview? Very good. I would, I would recommend uh, listening to Rugby Dungeon. Where's, where's your little bell? Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Little bell's on the floor down there, down there, not, down there, down there, down there. Why haven't you got a sound effect one? Yeah, have you not got uh, an electronic? I probably have go. somewhere. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> 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 My interview is Steve Diamond. <laughs> 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 uh, yes. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? So Richard Cockerell, uh, uh, what a job! Yeah, that, brilliant, that, that truly amazing job. And the guys in you look at the team sheet, and yes, Mata now is a star, and McNally is a very good player. Um, Hamish Watson is a very good player. Kinghorn, decent player. Well, I mean, Kinghorn and Van der Merwe on the wing is sensational, but none of these. Oh, even, and even that's the be- other thing. They've got a wing called Van der Merwe. So that's yeah, an- that is, another. An- that is well, another massive parallel to Glasgow. But those guys, so they are playing phenomenally well. Before this season, how many of you? How many of those have you actually heard of? Very few. Very, and, very few. And the other guys, I mean, the two centres, Dean and Johnston, very, they were very, very solid, making breaks, def- defensively very good against a very competent, yeah. uh, well, very dangerous Montpellier backline. More importantly on, on Dean... If you were Chris Dean, wouldn't you prefer? Wouldn't you just insist on being called Christopher Dean? Uh, Chris, it's, it's, it's Chris Dean. Dean. It's Chris Dean. You just sound like oh, Chris, Chris Dean. Dean. Not like Chris. <laughs> I, I, I I thought you were making a lovely it, break, but like Chris Dean. <laughs> I thought you were making a reference then to uh, the '90s skating duo Torval and Dean because he was Christopher Dean. He was Christopher, but he was Christopher Dean. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's not Christine and Jane Torval. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. Um, I said the other guy I liked. He wasn't quite as prominent this week as he was last week, but I think Darcy Graham's class. Yeah. So fast. He's a hot stepper. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get too many. I mean, yeah. Didn't get too many opportunities. He finished the try well, didn't he? Mm. But uh, it is amazing, right? Because if you look at, in particular, the Montpellier back row. I love this Montpellier back 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 row. I think uh, your Cuba camera is an is an absolute weapon. Pickamoles has been long been my favourite player. Yeah. And you know, just they just got no luck. I say no luck. They weren't allowed it, uh, any luck. If you're yeah, gonna if you're gonna pick luck. someone to like go into the Coliseum as a gladiator on, on behalf of your tribe or whatever, Yakuba Camera is the sort of guy you would pick. He's up there. Yeah. He's certainly yeah. up there. And so is Louis Pickamoles. Mm. So yeah, it's it's a hell of a win. I, I wonder how far they can go now. I mean mm. I I see their chances roughly similar to that of Munster, which is they can beat Pretty much anyone on their day. Incredibly dangerous team, but maybe not the overall favourites. Yeah, well, they've got themselves fourth place in the seedings, which uh, are ma- massively important for them having a home quarter final. Oh, and Murrayfield, I mean, it was nowhere near full, but at least they got two sides relatively full. I think that made a hell of a difference too. Mm. Yeah, it's, it looked like a good atmosphere, although it, I mean, it takes a lot to fill a 70,000 seater stadium. Yeah, about 70,000 people. <laughs> even even 20,000 people will be a, a good effort, but still won't be. I mean, that new ground can't come quick enough. We said that before. But yeah. fa- absolutely brilliant achievement. Sensational. A- and in doing so, securing Glasgow's position in the quarterfinals as well, regardless yeah. of their result um, against Saracens. And it, <clears throat> funny tweet from Edinburgh just saying, I think Richard Cockrell had said last week, 
um, we'll, we'll try and do a favour for our little brothers. Bless them. And then they um, <laughs> so sweet. And then they posted a picture of the, the, like their result and said, "You're welcome, little bro." Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's quite sweet. And also, you know, <clears throat> it's it's now more than just the rivalry. It's who's who's won. It's like look at us. We're we're now number one in Scotland. Yeah. Oh, well, these things matter. Rivalries yeah, matter. They do. Um, the, w- would you say that was the most important game of the weekend? Um, no, because so, Edinburgh still could have qualified even if they lost. In fact, bonus points would have had them qualifying for the quarterfinals. You can't underestimate the importance of a home quarterfinal, but I think Munster, Exeter, every, yeah, everything was on yeah. the line in that one. Well, yeah, both of them were really important. Yeah. And th- those were the two biggest games. And it, I mean, it does. You mentioned Munster before. So Munster obviously now go on to travel to Edinburgh. But the Munster Exeter game was brutal. <laughs> it, was the, it was the classic brutal. unstoppable force meets immovable object. Yeah. Just two packs knocking lumps out of each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually thought Exeter got the better of them in large phases, particularly <sighs> uh, the, you know, the contact exchanges. Ooh, I'm just, not sure about that. Oh, I think so. They got a couple of times, but the, the number of turno- either turnovers or rook penalties that were given against Exeter, and what would happen was, the way I was watching it, Exeter would carry really hard and make minimal, minimal ground, but make some ground, three, four, five, six phases, but because they would have to commit so heavily to each one of those phases to secure just secure their own ball, which they normally do so easily. By the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth phase, it was easy pickings for Tyburn, Peter Romani, CJ Stander, Ty Kilcoin. Tyburn was Ty getting away with is, all um, sorts. He was getting away with lots, I agree. <laughs> I do agree with But that. Like, you know, if the ref gives it, you're not getting away with it. Jerome Garcia yeah, yeah. did and not have control of that game. Well, for my liking. Well, it, I mean, it, it, never, it never spilled over, actually. So, so, yeah. so actually, that's fair. I, I'm I, wrong on that. I'll take I, that back. I think, I think he... He officiated the rook the same way that ninety ninety eight percent of referees. Yeah, that's so, fair. That's fair. But there there were some things. There was one where Harry Williams carries the ball in. Peter Romani's second man, so fully entitled to go. Uh, Peter Romani, um, Ty Byrne, even second man, hooks his arm underneath Harry. Hooks one arm underneath Harry Williams's body, so he's got the full nineteen stone of Harry Williams. His other arm over the top, so he's got both arms round the whole weight of Harry Williams and he's the one that wins the penalty. Now as a as a Munster so you, you never see that given or you rarely see it given against the uh, defensive player. As a Munster if I were a Munster fan I'd be saying right on absolutely play to the referee streetwise. That's exactly what I think. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You're a professional if, if the referee officiates it that way that's ab- that's the law. Absolutely. Isn't it, the, yeah. the law is how the referee interprets it. If I was an Exeter fan <clears throat> I'd, I'd maybe be a little bit frustrated but I thought Munster they they brilliantly played to the referees because yeah. they were right on the edge of, of those. Do you know and what? Also, yeah, absolutely right. Exeter had their chances. And just before half-time, they got the, that line-out stolen. I thought that was probably... Because there was one before half-time, the best one. Yeah, the one before half-time. The best one was the Billy Holly, Holland one after that's, six, oh, 60, sorry, yeah. that's what 65, 66 yeah. minutes, which that was... It's like his second play or something ridiculous. That was unbelievable. Because that was... So well, Ex- it was his first touch as well. Billy Holland came off yeah. the bench. And Exeter- Ty, Ty Byrne went off. Billy Ex- Holland came on and did that. Exeter had already shown that they can, from a five-meter line-out, they are pretty much unstoppable. So for Munster to put two jumpers up against it, and it, it was a gamble. 
yeah, it's a 50 because Exeter at that point were one point ahead. And if they score that try, they go eight points ahead. Yeah. And that, that means that they're going through and Munster aren't. So it was such a gamble, but it was so well executed to read it and then to to pull it off. That was phenomenal. Uh, there was a lot of box kicking in this game. There was, and I actually thought that Nick White got the better of the box kicking. I, I agree with that. And I thought Jack Knoll did really well. He did. At fullback as well. He did. Is Jack Knoll an option for you as England fullback? Well, we'll get on to... Uh, <laughs> uh, we said last week, we can get onto the England squad in a bit, but we said last week that we wouldn't consider Jack Knoll for fullback unless he played a lot there. And I'm still with that. Yeah. He, he did play well in this game in, in difficult conditions. Um, I still want to see more of him because Elliot Daly has played well in, in individual games and Anthony Watson has played well in individual games. Here's one question then. Exeter had quite a lot of potentially kickable penalties. Mm. I think I think they would have won the game had they not had to win by more than seven. I think Exeter would have won the game because they would have taken those penalties and yeah. probably won by three or six or whatever. But they went for the jugular and it didn't come off. But... That pressure, I, I just, I, we've said it before, and there's a lot of teams that do it, and fair play, Ulster did it in, in their game. They went for the corner a couple of times when maybe they could have taken points. And, um, yeah, I suppose it's easy. When it works, you go, great, well done. And when it yeah. doesn't, you start scratching your head. But I, I just, I remember thinking at the time, like, really? You're in Munster. Three points is three points. No, I, I'm with them. I think that's the way that they play. That's what that's what they should do. Um, and the pressure does build. I mean, look... The thing is about that style of play is you don't know when the dam is going to break. And we saw it against Saracens. Now, any normal thinking man in charge of a rugby team would go, "Mm, hang on a minute, let's go and kick some points instead because we're just not breaking down Saracens. In the last, I think, 20 minutes, they finally get through. And I think that's the sort of game you've you've got to play. You've got to sort of toy with the opponent until they break. And in fairness, if that... If that it was a Luke Cowan Dickey lineup that Billy Holland stole, if that was six inches higher and it hits the jumper, God, they're in. It's, it's try time because Munster have put two pods up. Yeah, they, they had six men engaged in the lift. If that ball goes to Exeter, it is try. There is no way on earth Munster are stopping that. It's yeah. also it was an all or nothing play yeah, for Munster. Yeah. It was a yeah. phenomenal play. Yeah, you're right. It's also fairly unique as well. I mean, you've got two options, haven't you? You can either copy the next best. Or you can do things complete, completely your own way. And that's the extra way, and I love it. So, you know, they weren't good enough this, this year. They actually weren't good enough last year either. But um, is it, I think it's John Madden um, on the America's Game thing. He said like uh, he said something along along lines of, he never felt that he was under pressure because he's always getting to um, Super Bowls or playoffs or, or, or some such thing. And as long as they're in the Premiership playoffs, as long as they keep on getting into Europe and being competitive, eventually they will do all right. I was listening to um, Keith Wood gave a talk at my workplace. Did uh, he? When was this? Just before Christmas. You kept that quiet. Keith Wood and Joe Schmidt. Uh, what? Hang on. Hold Did on. you go to this? Hey, what? Unfortunately, I couldn't go to it. Oh. It was a. It was down in head office down in Kent. Because Ray's a big rugby fan, right? Big rugby fan. Uh, and they gave basically a talk on uh, kind of how they attack their work and, and in great, return they, they were given teams. a briefcase each <laughs> <laughs> anyway I'm sure they were um, compensated sure for their time they, they had lunch and, and mileage that's great but um, 
Keith Wood referenced um, the preparations for the 2003 World Cup, and he was talking about Paul O'Connell, who was very young then, yeah, um, but in the squad. And Paul O'Connell was, this is as Wood, Woody was telling it. So Paul O'Connell was um, kind of desperate to be number one in the world, and he was saying like, "We've got to train harder." How hard? Like, I know we're training unbelievably hard, but we've got to train harder. We've got to train more. We've got to do more. England are the best in the world. How how far behind them do you think we are in terms of fitness? And Keith Wood, coming to the end of his career in two thousand and three, said, "I think we're about three years behind." Ooh, because they'd been so the, the team that won the two thousand and three World Cup, the vast majority or significant chunk, and certainly the leadership had all been there in ninety nine. So they'd all done it kind of once before. They'd done multiple Six Nations as a team. They'd won uh, Heineken Cups. They'd won leagues. And they'd been together as a unit for such a long period of time. Now, this Exeter team, to link it back to where we were, they're on that journey. Mm. And they are, they're a very good team. And premiership level, they're right up there. But when you step up and you start competing with the likes of Munster, the likes of Leinster, the likes of Saracens at the higher level... They are still a number of years off. Yeah, I, I think they're about... I mean, it could happen any time, really. Last year, they were up against Leinster in the in the group stages. That's not easy for anyone. This year, it's been a magical year for uh, Gloucester. And actually, they'd probably have stepped back a tiny bit from where they were last year, particularly that, the group stages. If they'd have won at home, if they'd won at Sandy Park against Gloucester... All over, isn't it? It's a completely different Done story. Dusted. Yeah. Dusted. Um and it's you mentioned Leinster there. The, the fact that Tygburn was a Leinster Academy product, Joey Carberry yeah. has come from Leinster. He's now twenty out of twenty for kicks. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And that is following a game. I can't remember which one we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but he had a, a really bad game. Um, it might have been, it might have been the cast game earlier in the year, just before Christmas where he missed a couple of, not easy kicks, but missed a couple of kicks to lose the game. But since then, he's been phenomenal, unstoppable. So there's, there's one thing that I saw a lot in the Munster-Exeter game that you see a lot, generally speaking, now. it wasn't. It's not exclusive to that game. It's all over the place. But I think that re- that uh, this needs to be clamped down on. Not stopping it from happening, but... So let me start. What I'm talking about is the, the lengthening, lengthening of the ruck. Okay. Were you reaching for a button thinking I was going to say Twitter or something? Yes. <laughs> 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 Nothing on Twitter. It's on a rugby field. Although Twitter is a toxic cesspit. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So yeah, the lengthening of the ruck. So the ruck is one. The ball's at the back, and then about two or one or two extra players come and lengthen the ruck, and then the, the scrum half just gradually rolls the ball back with their feet from where the ruck, from where the ball was at the back of the ruck, ready to go, all the way to the back of two more players. I don't have a problem with it. Per, per se, I, I think it's fine. It's I'm not not legally. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen, but I, I want the referees to once the ball is there at the back and available, available. to say use it, use. And um, then if you I then start bringing law, in a play, there? there is a law, but they're not they're not enforcing it. Yeah. It's five yeah. seconds, and this is it's five from, seconds exactly from when they say use. But from when, but, they, from when it's from when they say use, then it. the referee it has should to. be three seconds. One, two, three. That's enough. Yeah, but the point yeah. is, if they say if when Nick White or or Conor Murray were getting the the ball was available, said use it, they would have been pinged free kick. Scrum, isn't it? Every single time when they put, oh, come in, stand in there and let me roll it back a bit. Come in, stand in there, let yeah. me roll it back. It's taking ages. This, we, 
this feels I like, like it actually. This feels like we're going around this exact same loop because before the the law got changed to the use it law, there was some ridiculous caterpillaring, like six players deep, and yeah. it would take fifteen twenty. I remember there was a couple uh, of games. Wales seemed to England did it. In, when was it? It was changed about five or six years ago. England in there was a Six Nations where it was just making games unwatchable. Because teams were taking twenty seconds, thirty seconds to settle this elaborate snake so, of half say, a dozen I think, forwards. I think there is a sort of sweet spot here because I like the idea that you can either have a short ruck or a long ruck. I don't and, I have a ruck as long as you want, but just you can't take as long as it's taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just I mean, be like, quick about the, it. I mean, like the technicality in it because yeah. what you're going to see soon, I believe, is rucks shortening because it's quicker for the scrum half to get the ball to whiz it away, and then. Rucks lengthening for box kicks and then caterpillaring. And I actually think there's actually, I quite like the art, the art of the ruck and forming the ruck and all the different options that it gives you. I do, on the other hand, though, appreciate that if you've got six forwards deep, you know, and it's taking 10 seconds, yeah, 15 it's a bit, seconds. If, if, you added, if you added up the amount of extra time in that Munster Extra game, which was ball was available and ready to go and, and to when the ball was actually used, you'd probably have five or six minutes of that match yeah because it was there was so many box kicks I just noticed it particularly in that game because there was it was relentless box kicking Mm. yeah like I say I think there's a sweet spot somewhere yeah because I I just like the idea that you can mould your forward packs to do different things it's kind of like a miniature set piece within the game so you know I quite like it so Munster go to Edinburgh and Exeter um, have to go back Munster and rethink. go to Edinburgh. Wow. That will be interesting. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Wow. So these week- these matches are happening the weekend April? of... It's March, end of March. Is it end of March? So it's, uh, God, so... You- is, is it like Brexit weekend? Is it? It might be. you do a special podcast for that one? Uh, or does the internet shut down? I can't remember. Something oh, yeah, happens. yeah. No, it's, it's like it's like Y2K. It's like the whole... You know, when... when you know, cash machines weren't going to work. And, thankfully, uh, thankfully, yeah. thankfully, we all live quite close to each other, so we don't need to don't need to fly to studio. But we're not going to have electricity anymore, so we'll just well, basically we'll but, give out JB's address and anyone that can get to the podcast. No, we, we'll just be- do it. Better still, if you want to hear the podcast after Brexit, let us know in advance, and we'll send you a vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no postal service, JB. Oh God, no, they won't. Will carrier pigeon. Your old man loves carrier pigeons. Yes, he does. Perfect. Uh. We we kind of twenty eighth. Look, he's laughing now, old man. Twenty <laughs> eighth to the thirty first of March. Yes, it is. God, so that is that's only two weeks after the Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So oh. we did, it's one round of Premiership, and then oh, they're so brutal, so brutal, especially uh, for the likes of Leinster and Saracens, who kind of half their teams will be playing in the Six Nations. Yep, it's going to be a, a and, tough old slot. And in fact, Edinburgh and Glasgow as well. Let's talk about your boys, Phil. Oh, so proud. Suffed them. I was so... Uh, I was certain that you were losing this. I was absolutely... Before the game, I had a little bit of hope. Uh, at half-time, I was absolutely certain this would just be a repeat of last year. In fact, until half-time, it was a, an almost carbon copy of us throwing it away against Wasps. Until 55, 57 minutes, um, it was 13 nil to Leicester. <laughs> uh, so infuriating. Because they just, other than McCloskey powering through the middle a couple of times, powering in between Ford and uh, Tamua, they just couldn't get anything right in that first half. I don't know, Tim. You were you were obviously there. You had a pitch side view. Yeah. 
What was your kind of expect or your perception of what went wrong? From I that? thought it was history repeating and that they'd blown it mentally. Yeah, uh, I thought. I thought. It, yeah, I thought they just lost the plot. And I, I thought fair play to Leicester. Oh yeah, because Leicester they could have easily turned up and rolled over, but they put in a real performance. They they played very very well. I thought Ford and and Tamua were good. They made a couple of tackles on McCloskey, but other than that, they controlled the game well. I thought a number of the forwards stepped up as well. I thought George Ford was excellent. Yeah. George Ford in, is in, excellent. In attack and in defence, he is like a little terrier. That guy really cares. He does. He seems to be earning his money this, this season. Let's put it that way. Well, one thing, just just on George Ford, before we go back to Ulster, there's a lot of people online, I didn't spot it on the day, oh, hold on. but have spotted that... Where did you find these comments? No, on his hand. He's got. He had something written on his hand. Ooh. Can you... So look. That's George Ford's hand, apparently. It says... Get up and go again. No. Hmm. Um, F, M, B, one. F, U, and then... Something, something. Something, K, it, and then B, dot, Y. Ben Young's? Does the B, dot, Y mean Ben Young's? And what, what is that message? <laughs> F, it, B, Y. F, it. Be why was was it better? Is that is that the what is that? Because you see people with stuff on their tape around their wrist. Yeah. Is there any? Um, Do you think Ben Youngs wrote that on his hand? I, I don't know. So if I saw it on a forward, and there was no repeating letters, it's relatively short. I would assume it'd be some sort of line out. Yeah. Form. But not for maybe maybe it is. Uh, don't know. Yeah. Do I have known? Players and coaches to write on each other's and other people's chests, arms, really bodies pre-game. Yeah, used to have a a former rugby league, former St. Helens player uh, and Northampton player as a coach, Andy, Andy Northy, and he used to his nickname was Axe, and he used to write Axe across your collarbone <laughs> on your shoulders with a massive X, and he's like, that's where the X is where the power's coming from for the big hit. <laughs> wow. So used to, players used to go into games with Axe written on their shoulders. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't, I'm sure he's a lovely boat, but if, if you just said that without names or context, I'd, I'd say that guy's a... Eager, egomaniac, <laughs> no, writing his own oh, he, name on people. He would, he would also say, like, who, who do you want to be like? And then write uh, whoever. <laughs> Finger to him. To him Have you ever written anything on your uh, on your wrist, on little tape on your wrist, Not Jay? on tape. I know I've written something on my hand. I'm just trying to remember what the hell it is. I, I did it in Broughton L- LTBP? Get, no. Get milk, like... bread, washing up liquid, <laughs> yeah. bin bags. No, it was something. I can't remember what on earth it was. Remember in uni writing the because we played like freshers like the UE Kings, which is like the social team played the freshers, and we wrote the the name of our opposite number somewhere, but I can't remember where. Maybe a shoulder or arm. I, I, I've never done something. Well, yeah. Let us know if if there's any interesting things been written on that you write down or that your teammates write down on their wrist. Because mm. uh, George Ford, that's the it's the most creative. And unexpected that I've seen uh, at Rugby Podcast. We are on Twitter. Um, so, so yeah, back back to this game then. Yeah, Henderson back seven weeks early. I know, seven weeks with a, with a thumb. Yeah, because there's, there's talk two bits of thumb related injury news this week. There we'll come is. on to the second one later, of course. But Hendo man of the match performance after coming back seven weeks early. Yeah, 
He was brilliant. He doesn't look like he should be as good as he is. Just he's, when you stand and look at him. I mean, you, he's if a you had a lineup, boy, if you had a lineup not... of guys, you wouldn't pick him out as the international superstar. No. You wouldn't he doesn't look like he's going to be anywhere near as strong as he is because he is an absolute mountain. Yeah. Physically in terms of his strength, but he's got kind of relatively normal looking arms. Not like Kurtzia. There's hope for us yet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um. So, this game. So I watched as a family do. So I managed to watch the first half of it live on, on B- your phone on BT Sport, but uh, on my phone. I'm thinking, what's the point in watching the second half? Unfortunately, uh, I, I was thinking, what's the point in watching the second half? So I got in my car and drove back, listening to the game on BBC Radio Five Live uh, via BBC Leicester or Leicestershire. I don't know which one it is. But there was oh man, the one-eyed commentaries you get on BBC Local is hilarious. So well, I, yeah, it it was. Yeah. I was listening to. Um, sorry, I, di- I didn't mean to yeah, cut across no. you, but I just I, just while it's fresh in my mind, I I had to stop and watch Munster v Exeter. I watched the second half, sat in my car. I was driving back from Leicester, but for the, the first half, I listened to BBC Devon, and uh, and it's it's hilarious. They've got they've got one guy that's a, a pretty regular commentator, and they've got one old fella. Proper Devon bloke. Go on, go on, Chiefs. And basically, the two of them were just talking, not to each other or with each other, just the commentator was doing the commentating and the old bloke was just talking over the top of him. <laughs> like, go on, X. <laughs> oh, you don't want to do that, mate. Oh, come on. Was like, so, he wasn't explaining what was going on. He was just shouting like a fan. So your Devon accent is far better than mine, but I was listening to it. I can't remember when it was. It was a couple of months ago. Tim... Say in a Devon accent, say Santiago Cordero. <laughs> Santiago Cordero. <laughs> I was cracking up every time. <laughs> that's excellent. That's excellent. Anyway, 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 you were listening back, to the game. Back to this game. So there was there was a few things. There was one. Oh, sorry, Tim. What did George Ford have on his um have on his hand again? Um, effort unedited uh, and then by but there was a dot between the b and the y like it's initials b your y so that must be ben young's mm. cool okay sorry I'm, I'm literally trying to find out now yeah i'm texting <laughs> everyone that i know um yeah so, so carl ferns doesn't know so okay. carl ferns doesn't know <laughs> surprise surprise uh right there's there's a couple of bits of interesting commentary uh the, the one-eyed thing is exactly right tim there was one point, well, one point, I say one point, where Balakoon went through for the try, mm. the commentator said, and one of the Ulster players has kicked it, I don't know which one, and Balakoon picks the ball up and scores. <laughs> one of the Ulster players, it was Billy Burns, the fly half, started fly half, former Gloucester player, happens to kick the ball. Yeah. Um, there was that, there was, they described, with 10 minutes to go, they described this as, the highest, an amazing exhibition of the highest draw, top quality rugby, and then immediately remembered, oh, apart from the first half, which is <laughs> awful. Yeah. And and the one other bit was, uh, they were they seemed insistent that because when this game finished, they didn't seem to really know who was going to be playing who, what it meant for consequences. But they were talking about Ulster's chances going through in the semi final. And weighing up whether Ulster go to Saracens, Racing, or Leinster, and it was the 
uh, pundit's opinion that they would prefer to go to Leinster rather than the other two. Now, none of those are easy games, but I'd actually give the least chance of winning at Leinster. Yeah. Uh, that is the the place I would least like to go. I, I know there is the the, con- the context there is it's not a it's not they know them well. Yeah. No know them well having won there once, won in Dublin once uh, in the last 20 years. Yeah. They know them very well. I would I would almost yeah. go as far as to say I would fancy our chances certainly no less playing the All Blacks away. That is, we might as well be going to <laughs> going to Wellington to play the All Blacks. So it's not going to be a 20th anniversary treat for Ulster fans. They're just going to have to enjoy this quarter final. Yes. Enjoy. Yeah. There is a chance. I just it's going to be so so difficult. So Richard Cockrell, English coach at a Scottish side Doing amazing things. Yep. Yeah. Dan McFarland, English coach. Yeah. But unlike Richard Cockrell, I think Dan McFarland's someone that most your average English rugby fan doesn't even know. Yes, no, I mean I even Scottish. So even still now, yeah, most English fans wouldn't know. Cool. My favourite bit of that that game was when Jacob Stockdale, the Cube, when he Crichton, uh, Crichton, <laughs> when he, when he when Cube did Johnny May, and then his smile. Just giggling, he, he was. I, you could see he was thinking, "Yeah, bring on, bring on the Aviva Stadium in a yeah, few weeks." A couple of weeks' time. Is it only a couple of weeks? Yeah. What? First, Is it two weeks? Two weeks. Oh my word! Is it, I think I think I'm right in saying that. It's the second. Oh, yeah, of course it is. It's the second yeah. weekend in February. Oh my word! Oh god, you looking forward forward to down, downfall 2.0? <laughs> <laughs> downfall 2019. Yep, downfall 19. <laughs> oh, bring it on! It's good. It's or good. the reform. Well, with that, <laughs> should we segue there into England? We can pick, and we can pick up on the rounding up the quarterfinals in a minute. Yeah, there's a few couple of signings as well we need to talk about. Oh, and also there's the injury thing, isn't there? Uh, and do you see the thing in the Times about the players getting bigger? No, no, I've well, not seen that. Look, if we if we run out of things things to talk about, I'll tell you all about them. <laughs> uh, red okay. card, red card report though first. One. Oh yeah. yeah. We want your help with this because Red Card Report, is it shouldn't just be the top flight that gets to have their red cards debated. So we want your grassroots red cards. Yes, quite. So um, <laughs> I think I'll kick this off with a red card from old Bristolians, where Bristolians captain said, Hi, sir. Please can you watch, uh, watch out for fists to the face? <laughs> <laughs> Seconds later... The opposition headbutted an old Bristolian with the worst headbutt he's ever seen, and he was then sent off. Red card! <laughs> Bill? Uh, one coming from James Pate, or possibly James Pate, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how his name's pronounced. Uh, Married to uh, Jane Knapes? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he was referencing uh, Burnley, a Burnley player. Oh, played against them. Playing against Clitheroe. Played against them. Oh, Derby match. In, in a Northwest Derby, he was red carded for. Now, I'm not sure if this is the third headbutt of a game <laughs> or third headbutt that this player has done. This that's quite. You have done. to be quite um, like a Mortal Kombat combo. That's that's <laughs> good. <laughs> that's good neck endurance to do yeah. three head repeated headbutts. You've really got to respect someone who really put something in. You know, put something into their arts. Yeah, their, their cra- trade, their craft, the craft. That's maybe, it. Or well, maybe they should go for one really good headbutt rather than three. Average headbutts. But anyway, carry on, Phil. Sorry. 
I, I think I think that's it. To oh, that be honest, I think red card, red, red card. And I saw one in mini rugby today. Is it a red card in mini rugby. Well, I mean, what the, 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 they made the player go off, and he, he could be replaced with a player. But yes, yeah, that was the end of his day. And it was um, it was Old Bedians versus Saint uh, versus Broughton Park. Carry on, go. And I won't give names of players or teams or who was who, but because it's not fair on them. But basically, but, well, go on, who one player. <laughs> was streaking towards the line and made a great break and was going for a try there was no way anyone was going to tackle them and so a sliding football tackle gave the guy running in to score a try a face full of dirt about an inch before the try line I I kind of always feel I've seen it I've seen it actually at university rugby as well have you? yeah the sliding tackle if you can get into a position where you can do a feet first sliding tackle you can do another tackle you might you might get carried over the line in, in if you're five yards out, but just it's it's not worth getting sent off and conceding a try no. rather than just conceding a try. Yeah. yeah. Um I feel this has to be a wind up because I have here that there is a guy by the nickname of Acorn who plays for Seven Oaks. That can't be <laughs> this can't be <laughs> a true story. Nickname, of course. Is this someone doing like a um oh it Hugh Janus? Has <laughs> um, got in touch to say. IP freely says. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah. Apparently, that was rock justice, and on referees' inspect a damage inspection, it was upgraded from a yellow to a red card. So, you know, Ooh. good good stuff there. So, file your red card report after your Saturday game for the next podcast uh, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, and we will uh, we'll debate and shake our fists at the red cards because we are disgusted by red cards oh we are disgusted disgusted absolutely awful this is not in any way a gratuitous enjoyment it's not it's not of some ruck justice awful awful Uh, now just last one not a red card and we don't need any music for it Um, this is also from our good friends in Bristolians Uh, I have been informed that in a second team game which their second team was winning comfortably the last kick of the game was a conversion for the opposition who scored a try and the referee took it. He then missed it and then still awarded him, awarded the team the two points. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. So that is amazing refereeing. That is. If only Wayne Barnes would do that. That would be quite something, wouldn't it? <laughs> Wayne, right. On Wayne, on when Wayne Barnes has his last game, he has to do that. <laughs> Take the final conversion. Take the final conversion. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Or, or Nigel Owens. Nigel Owens, yeah. When players, when it's uh, like a prop forward... His last gag. His last ever game. <laughs> last the, last, gag. the last gag. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that's also the uh, title of his upcoming book, I think. <laughs> right, England squad. Ooh. Oh, here we England go. squad. England um, squad and also Eddie Jones's... Uh, and Wales squad. Loose, loose lips. Eddie uh, Jones's loose lips. Well, he's been saying some interesting things in the press. Oh, yeah, the... the, the we should call them headlines because they they have begun. The, the Eddie Jones headlines have all begun. Do you know what I was? No, go on, carry on, and I'll talk about it later. No, that's all right. So what he has said, and and a lot of people in the Emerald Isle have uh, have thought this is arrogant and ridiculous and stupid. Well, it is ridiculous. Eddie Jones has said that basically Johnny Sexton gets preferential treatment from referees. I'm just going to come to Eddie Jones's defence because if if you read the whole quote... Yes, I'm, you, I'm with you on this If you one. read the whole quote, you tell me what is controversial, wrong, or or unsportsmanlike or yeah, okay. uncouth about this. The quote, Sexton has the best... has the bat phone to the referee. When he talks, the referee listens, Right. 
That's the sentence that's been taken out and used in isolation. The next that's all sen- the headlines. The next sentence, that's because of his status in the game. You earn that like Richie McCaw did. Yeah, I think it's so completely it, right. It's it's actually, the headlines are kind of controversial. It's actually a massive compliment to yeah. Johnny I mean, Sexton. So this is the difference, I guess, between people who write this stuff for, this stuff for a living and actual, you know, some actual rugby fans, which is I would have finished that sentence for him, which was, yes, he does have the bat phone to the ref because he is one of the most respected players of a generation, if not the generation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that stacks up. No problems here. Move on. But it's kind but of the, like... But yeah, that, Eddie Jones being nice about someone... That's not yeah. going to that sell Irish newspapers. Or, or, or English ones. Or English newspapers. The English newspapers have been just as bad with this English team because yeah. most of them were talking about a positional change for Jack Knoll. It doesn't exist. He, he never implied that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So Jack Knoll's in the England squad and obviously he, uh, Eddie Jones was asked about it and Eddie Jones made a, a comment suggesting that Jack Knoll could be used as like an auxiliary forward in terms of the game plan, and that got taken very lazily to Jack Knoll. Incredibly lazy. Jack I mean, Knoll to be an open side, which was only made more entertaining because it's something that Austin Healy said could happen three three years ago. Yeah, I, yeah it's... I mean, some, some papers made a whole... Like, like, literally a whole page story out of this, and it's nothing. It's nothing different to what Shane Williams does. It's did. It's nothing different to what Colby does. You know, fast wingers, round breakdowns with quick feet. That's what they do. And they're just talking about moving a winger to the breakdown. Anyone who knows anything about rugby would say, we see that fairly frequently. And Jack Noel himself, uh, <laughs> two years ago in the Lions... <laughs> We've got a scoop! Described, him, ...described himself... This is actually a bigger bigger scoop he described himself as the pick and go king he yeah. said back in Exeter they call me the pick and go king which was closely followed up by all of the Do e- we? Exeter players in Instagram going on Instagram going nope no we don't <laughs> you're just saying that is that, to is yourself, that like Paul Ince giving himself the nickname the governor as he did back in the day yep. yeah call, um, call me the governor <laughs> so okay so there's two parts of this England squad okay so number one it's probably the most settled England squad or one of Eng- one of Eddie's stronger ones that's that's for sure. Well, he oh, said, he, it's, the he strongest, did, he said yeah. it's the strongest England squad he's named. I tend to agree with him on that. And I think all the media nonsense, do you think he's doing a little bit of a Jose Mourinho, like taking attention away from his actual squad? Not that he needs to, it's a good squad. But we're all talking about stupid stuff. And actually, no one's really talking about the squad itself. Maybe I, that that's a good point. I, I, do think, I don't think there's a lot to say about the squad itself. I think is there, there is. I there's, mean, there's it's not a, interesting, but there's lots to say about it. I do think just... A, on the Eddie Jones saying it, I think there is an element where, especially on the um, the Sexton thing, he is trying to plant a little seed to referees oh, just totally. to have that little bit of doubt. Which, yeah. which, yeah, it's, it's a bit of gamesmanship. Everyone does. And it. Actually, if we can talk about a, a fly half that does get a preferential treatment, there's not <laughs> many fly halves that fly around with their shoulders uh, in into opposition and don't get yellow carded or penalties. So you know, so, yeah. if anyone's no, look, got. Owen Farrell has had this long-standing thumb injury. He simply cannot wrap his arms. No, it's a fair. medical condition that it prevents is. him from wrapping his yeah. arms, Jay. It, it, so I'm not having this any it's longer. On, yeah. It's on par with that um, spin bowler from uh, Sri Lanka. It's a medical <laughs> condition, and therefore you don't need to bowl properly. Exactly. Whatever his name was. Mil- 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 Malinga. Is it Malinga? No, not Malinga. Uh, anyway, no, Mil- Mil- It isn't a cricket pod. The, the, there the, are the spinner, other, oh, the, the spinner or, Mil- the, or yeah, the one... Because the the there's the fast bowler that... Is it the fast bowler? Who, who like, bowls it with his arm out sideways. Yeah. But no, Muralitharan had a slightly bent arm. Yeah. He well, that's basically why, you know... Leg spinner. 
So that's why um, Owen Farrell can't um, tackle probably because of a leg spinner or a fastballer. Yeah. One, one of the two. Or tackles. medical condition. Or medical condition. So the headlines from this England squad. Chris Robshaw and Dylan Hartley will return to the England squad when fit. Dylan Hartley probably for the third game. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a potential leadership vacuum. Yep, there is. Potentially is, is one potential storyline. Uh, another one, um, there's a couple of names on there I didn't expect to see. I was delighted to see Ollie Thorley. Yes, agreed. As we talked about Love last it. week. W- wonderful selection. Uh, I was surprised to see Ollie Devoto, but again, I'm quite happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, although if you're... If you count Farrell as an option as a centre, then that means six centres in a squad, which I think just at a time when we have identified England haven't got a settled centre pairing, I'm which not is sure. Ridiculous, I, I'm not sure it? having six bodies. But that that is counting. Is that counting Farrell and Daly? Uh, so you've got Tio, Devoto, Slade, Tuolagi, then Daly and Farrell. Farrell and Daly. Yeah, I kind of look at those two as a, well, yeah, you're a right. fullback winger or mm. a ten. Y- yes, you're right. You're right. So I'm, yeah. You are right. So, uh, okay, so here's a few things about this England team. Number one, leadership vacuum, which you've absolutely nailed, Tim. Uh, Owen Farrell cannot be the captain of this team. He is named as captain. He's going to have to be, and he's going to have to get better at it. Right, so he needs to get better. That, for me, tells me that the most important player in this England setup is going to be Ben Tail, because Ben Tail is going to have to be that rock which Owen Farrell relies on, so we don't have the instance that we otherwise would have. Teo, who played, started for 12 against Worcester in their narrow win against Stad. He started alongside Ollie Lawrence. Did he? Good. Mm. Good. Good little combo with that. So, yeah, that, that's going to be quite important. The other thing which I think is really interesting about this squad is I think Eddie Jones, I think one of the reasons he thinks it's his strongest squad is because he's got a core of players that he now can trust. Yeah. And I, he think like, he pushes players incredibly hard. And I think he now has at least a group of players that he knows he can take to a certain limit. And I think he's been... That's why the, the turnover in the England squad is quite quite intense because I don't think everyone can live with what Eddie Jones wants and expects. And now I think he's got a core of lads who know what to expect from him and can deal with it. So so there was Nathan Earl out, Oli Thorley in, fine. We called that one last week. There was Oli Devoto in, Alex Lazowski out. Mm. Okay, but Alex Zosky has not been starting for Saracens. Yep. E- even when Brad Barrett's been injured, or he yeah. has it a little bit, but not always. Well, I mean, what about this weekend? Then, yeah. yeah, I was I was very surprised that mm. Lazowski didn't just slot in at 10. I mean, it could be like a compliment to how good he is at, thir- at 13, but he doesn't see... Or was he 12? Tompkins, 13. Tompkins, Tompkins has been playing 13. Tompkins has had a good run at 13 yes. and looking good so, as well. And Daly's, sure com- and Daly's coming in. Yeah, and, Tompkins and, plays 13. And you think Daly's coming in next year to be a 13. Yeah, and now Daly's an interesting one. I, I mean, you saw the Wasps game today. Do you think Daly played his best game? No. He wasn't given any opportunity. No, really. I would agree with that. Play. Let me get, let me... Wasps generally were, were better. So let me ask. A I mean, I, I've said me and Phil have been pretty consistent with what we're saying. I, I, I'm not. I'm not convinced. Not to say he can't or shouldn't, but he hasn't played much. All right. and isn't convincing me as a 15. Let yeah. me try a different question then. Do you think he's given his all for the last couple of weeks in a Wasps jersey? So I think he will. I'm have sure, done. he has. Yeah, I, knowing how competitive, knowing how much this kind of stuff means, I think yes. I think so. Do we ask the question today in comms? Where would you prefer to see, or, or rather, where would you, as an Irish uh, player supporter, where would you not like to see Elliot Daly? And debating whether it's wing, fullback, thirteen. And for me, 
it doesn't really matter. I'd prefer not to see him at 15 because I think he's a bit of a risk positioning under the high ball. But as long as you get the ball to him in space, as long as you can manufacture positions, in, mm. when he's in any one of those positions where he gets one-on-one with the player, bit of the opportunity to come onto a ball at pace, it simply doesn't matter. Okay. The problem has been that Wasps have not been manufacturing those positions, not f- due to Elliot Daly's fault, but because Wasps haven't been playing well. So... My answer to that, where would uh, if I was Irish, where would I least like to see him playing? I'd least like to see him playing in Saracens, having a good time and contributing fully. I don't think he has contributed fully to Wasps for the last three or four weeks, actually. Um, but uh, and not, going forward, I, this I, really worries me because it's a World Cup year, and like you said, Tim, you would have thought that. I mean, maybe I mean maybe that's how he deals with deals with the pressure he gets a little bit more knocky a little bit more complainy but uh, it is a worry for me I, I think he's starting to lose some form in a really critical time where you want your England players really coming you know coming to the boil nicely be interesting to see how Eddie Jones what, what the side he actually does select in Dublin um, so in the forwards I was surprised to see Ben Earl's name there and yes. who, who was the other They're very good though Clifford I think. Uh, Jack Clifford and Ben Earl and Zach Mercer surplus to requirements on this yeah. on this occasion Jack Clifford is off to Exeter. Yep. Looks mm. like it. Turn, turned on Leicester to, to go there. Well, so the way I read this, because if I was Zach Mercer, I might be scratching my head going, hey, I was in a minute ago. And this you, is you, pro- you, you were picking me. No, no, no. But before, yeah. so what I think actually Eddie Jones is, is looking and going, I know which back row players I'm taking to the World Cup, but potentially... Who's that what, next guy? Potentially what I might need is someone who can cover across the whole back row yeah. as a reserve if I need an extra body because someone goes down. And that's why he's going, I'm going to look at Ben Earl and I'm going to look at Jack Clifford over Zach Mercer because they are 6, 7, 8. Although Mercer can play 6, 7, 8. I, I think you've Sim- got... Simmons. He's not a and, 7 option though, is he? And, 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 and with, and with Underhill seven. injured, I think he's got a question mark. Do I have a... If I have an injury, if I take, I, on, if I take Underhill and he goes down injured, I don't have a backup 7. Yeah, but he's got Rob Shaw in the squad as well. So anyway, Isn't Rob Shaw's not fit. Seven. Well, Tom Curry, no, 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 right Tom now Curry would be the, the, the primary seven. seven. Right. And then Mark Wilson. So do you know who seven. I'd take to back up Tom Curry? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. My, that's exactly what I was thinking. But anyway, yeah. so it's too, interesting. Too it's similar, interesting. Mate. Too similar, yeah. yeah. Just, just not too, enough options now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure what he's up to, but... Um, I, I think he, he does like to bring people in, have a good look at him. Kind of as you were touching on before, Jay. See if they can meet his incredibly high demands for work rate. Yeah. And... Some can and some can't. Some have fallen by the wayside completely. Some have been in and out. And I think I think an element, whether this will work or not is another question, but an element is he likes to keep people on his toes, like dropping Mike Brown, which has coincided with Mike Brown's form picking up for, yeah. for Quinn. And I think Mike Brown is exactly that sort of character, actually. I think Farrell is that sort of character. Um, Far- yeah, Farrell's not going to get dropped. But no, no, but like if he, he, if, if, he, he did, uh, if he did, he would work even harder yes, exactly. to get back I, in. I think Dan Cole has shown himself to be yeah. more than worthy of, of a recall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, with those conditions, and has yeah, and has been, been playing recalled. his best rugby for a long time recently. So but someone like Dan Cole for me falls into like the Wigglesworth category. Mm. Like we don't need any more high level game today for those two. We know yeah. exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. We know they will give absolutely everything if they get the opportunity to wear that shirt. It's fair enough to kind of try other people in in those positions. Where Ed, the one position where Eddie Jones has always completely made me scratch my head and go, I just do not understand what you're playing at. Well, there's several positions, but the main <laughs> one being scrum half, because on one tour he takes Jack Maunder 
and then never in an England squad ever again. He'll pick Dan Robson in a squad, then he'll drop him out, never to be seen again. And now he's back in. Uh, ben Spencer's been in. Ben Spencer's been in and then gone. It's the, the, it's odd. And continuity, I'm not, I'm not against continuity or bringing play people in, but it's the fact that it's not like, uh, oh, Danny Kerr, Dan Robson's now, I, I fancy him a bit more than you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick him ahead of you. It's just players come from being the from the abyss to back in the squad. It's not. It's it's odd. I don't need, think any Jones knows what his packing order is, but I'm glad to see Dan Robson there. He's earned that. Yeah. Com- although although that agree. said, he's only just back from injury, so. Yeah. And they had Velocott around the squad, didn't they? Were they talking about bringing in Velocott? He was at the same. And time Willie Hines as... has been in the squad. Yes. As a position. Will, yeah, Willie Hines was. He was only in there when there was kind of a complete lack of other options due to. Uh, Premiership finals. What praise. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Willie Hines is a very good player. Yeah. Uh, now, Tim, you're a man on the inside. How serious is Owen Farrell's wrist? Thumb. Thumb? Is it thumb? I thought it was wrist. Thumb. Thumb. <gasps> it's uh, semi-serious? Well, no, I, I think he's expected to be available in Dublin. If only he had wrists and thumbs made of gold, like certain other fly halves. Mm. <laughs> Well, so that is interesting. So there is only two fly halves in the squ- in the squad. Um, I just wonder because it was late on Friday that the announcement was. Well, it actually was it was Saturday, but they said it was late on Friday. It was discovered the Owen Farrell thumb injury that means that needs minor surgery but doesn't uh, prevent him from playing in the Six Nations. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you think about it. Um... Hallwell ripped off his entire arm and was pretty much back within <laughs> Just five days. Stitch it back on. Yeah, well, as a finger, but you know, still. So maybe they're right. Well, yeah, and Hendo got back after three weeks rather than ten weeks. Yeah. Um, now, if he is out, do you go straight to George Ford? And who is the backup that you bring in? Absolutely, George Ford. But I would. I just wonder if Monday, Tuesday, we might see a Cipriani-shaped call-up. I hope so. I really, really hope so. Uh, it would just it also make England just look like, I mean if you're picking a team to play England and you don't know if you're going to see Farrell or Cipriani that's a real worry well no because you know it's not that's not even the debate you're going are we going to see Farrell or Ford well yeah, I don't know that right and the reason I don't know that is because you've got a fitness race for Farrell and if they make the right noises I would be making the right noises he's going to play he's going to play he's going to play but in the background you know he's not so really if you're a game planner if you're um Andy Farrell, you've gone, oh, okay, do I have Ford? Do I have Farrell? Do I have Cipriani? And I would make them think that Cipriani and Ford are basically uh, vying for the same position. Sorry, am I oh, yeah, you're, nudging you're, my mic you're again? nudging your mic. That's fine. That's what fine. a fool. As you That's take right. your socks off seductively. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what a treat <laughs> we're in. It's a pity, pity we're not on uh, YouTube or Facebook this week. Exactly. Can you not hear that as you're doing it? Sorry. <laughs> can, that again? can you hear it? Sorry. No, I can't. You, you have headphones on. Yeah, I know. I've got terrible hearing. And with this incredible new kit. It is incredible. All of your scratching and shuffling thank is you for, crystal clear. Thank you for mentioning it. I, I, think, I think the sound gate is on, so I'm not making enough noise for it to register. <laughs> um, yeah, so fly hobs. Yeah. Fine, 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 fine with it? Fine. Not worried? No, I'm fine with the whole squad. I think I'm it's fine. good. I, I yeah. think it's a good squad. I do. I like the squad overall. It's still the, the again. It's still the things that they need to bed in whatever sense partnership he thinks he's going to have in the World Cup. Uh, and on that front, Jonathan Joseph made his comeback this week from injury. Good, good to see. Uh, they need to sort out the, the the 
exactly. If if it's going to be Elliot Daly fullback, fine. Just there you go. Sick. You got five games. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I wouldn't look at Elliot Daly there at all. No, I think I think I think I've seen enough of it. Um, so one one big step up from all the autumn is the, just the carrying options in the forward. Yeah. So time. last time Mako was out, Billy was out, Nathan was out. We were debating whether Zach Mercer or Ben Morgan were going to start at number eight, but actually it was Mark Wilson who massively stepped up as as an international number eight, which I thought would have been kind of a, a bridge too far, step too far, but he was sensational. Now he, with Billy and Nathan there, he will go on to prob- probably if Brad Shields, who dropped out of the game uh, again, Slenster today. And if uh, is Brad Shields even in the squad? Yeah. yeah. How? And if How? Brad, Shaw, Brad Shields is a great player. He's not a great player. You've just not seen enough of him. No, he's not a great player. The, the, he is a head scratchingly poor player, and I do not know. The most amazing thing is he's so. Newsflash! Everyone, so stop talking. Everyone, stop talking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait for Ooh. it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Effort by stands for. Effort. Back yourself. Back yourself. Yeah. So not Ben Youngs. Not Ben Youngs. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, it looks like um, Will Greenwood wrote on uh, on George Ford's hand, which is nice, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's good of him. Nice. Yep. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sorry, what what were we saying before I got interrupted then? Uh, you were on one of your rants about... Um... Brad Shields again. Yeah, a head scratchingly poor player who should not be who should not be in the England team. Uh, the, the, there is the player that he most reminds me of. Rob Shaw. No, Haskell. Uh, Haskell. No, no, he does not. Yeah. Haskell is a league apart. I mean he really is. Uh, he he's bigger, he works harder. Uh how many, how many super ta- super rugby titles has Haskell won? We're not playing super rugby. Um Haskell has. Yeah, but we're not playing super super rugby here. So no, I, I, look, head scratchingly poor player is Jake, probably not fair, but he shouldn't Jake, be in the. Jake, what are you doing? Stop bang! Whatever Sorry. it is you're doing, there's banging the pod. Yeah, here's the thing: when you when you do move, you, it just. Do you think? Do you think you're the problem? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, are you trying to gaslamp JB? <laughs> gaslight. Gaslight. Sorry. Well, what does gaslighting mean? Does Let's it, not go into it. We're not going into it. Is it from? Um, <laughs> We're not doing it, Tim. Oh, it happens on Twitter, does it? I'm just, it's one of these phrases I've heard a lot recently. I go, what does that mean? Is it got so, does the etymology of it come from going round in the evening when someone would 
The gaslighter would go and light the gaslights. It's a play. The lights. It's a play, isn't I it? I got no idea. Look, it happens in the Guardian, and we don't need to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I remember. The, okay, okay. So Mark Wilson going to eight. I've got some thoughts on this as well. So this is my you thought on how you replace an eight, and I've kind of thought about it because Bath do it as well, and so do Australia, which is you move a seven seven to there. And my thinking is here, is if your eight does go down, I think actually a seven's a pretty good option. Because although you don't have the big ball carrying, what you do get from someone who can naturally play seven is a ton of volume, a ton of work rate. So, you know, if he does go down, I think England or, or uh, if Billy isn't available, I, I think Mark Wilson's a fine replacement. He, he certainly is after his performances in the autumn. He was phenomenal. Mm. Gaslighting. The, a manipulation tactic used to gain power. Uh, so basically, um, for example, in the movie Gaslight, 1944, a man manipulates his wife to the point where she thinks he, she is losing her, his, her mind. Right. So, so it's basically sowing doubt in an individual's own perception and sanity. So, so it, how does that relate to like political issues and, so, and, does, and, and social it, justice yeah, that but, the Guardian but, but, keeps telling me is gaslighting? The purpose of this podcast, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Although if you read, how was how was Diane Abbott being gaslit on Question no, Time? No. That's what I want to know. Um, I will say this: If you carry on reading that that sentence, though, it does have a whole um, whole paragraph in in that section there about Johnny Sexton and Richie McCaw uh, <laughs> gaslighting refs. Um, other squads, other squads. So Wales, Wales announced their squad. Yeah, uh, absolutely love it. Um, Anyone you would have changed in there? Because you, I mean, they've got some options. That boy Wainwright, what a rise he's had. Well, I just Wainers. I just think with the Welsh squad. Uh, although the Welsh clubs have been, sorry, what are they, Prince um, regions or whatever they want to be called now. Although they've done awfully in Europe this year, there's no way to get around this. The, the Welsh national squad is looking pretty tasty. And it's sort of like the opposite to, to Eddie Jones, which is Eddie Jones spends his time just discarding players, whereas Gatlin just seems to spend his time bringing players more in. More and more in. Yeah, more and more in, more and more options. Um and because of that, they, they look like they're going to be probably probably second favourites in the in, in the tournament behind France. Behind France, yes. <laughs> because well, no, no, Bookie's favourites. The... Bookie's favourites. Ah, uh, okay, sorry. Not yeah. JB's. Not choice. JB's favourites. No, France will still win the Six Nations. JB, who said that um, Leon would be the surprise package of the Champions, and Cup. they did certainly surprise, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> the, first, no... the first French side ever to get zero. Well, no I, mean, I, I never no said what they would do. I just said they'd be a surprise package. <laughs> so they certainly did surprise me. There's no need to worry about that. Fair enough. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty happy with it actually. The island squad looks ominous. Yep. Yeah. Settled, dangerous, with a, a spring- hungry, with a sprinkling of kind of like new up and coming magic. Like Llama, like the Farrell boys from Munster. Um, like, I mean, even someone like Carberry, who is, it's only really this season. So he's done it at the highest level for Leinster, but only ever as kind of second choice yeah. or playing as an auxiliary 15. Whereas this season, he is the real deal at 10. He's not bad, is he? He's pretty handy. Pretty, pretty handy. So my question about this Irish setup, and it's not about the Irish team, so apologies. But... The backup for Sexton at Leinster at the moment, Byrne. What's his first name? Uh, 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 Ross. Ross. There's Byrne, Ross right? and what's the winger? Uh, yeah, there's a the other the, Byrne. Yeah, there's a, wing, a winger called Byrne as well. Okay, but no, Ross. I think it's Ross Byrne, right? One of the Byrne boys. One of the, Byrne the one boys. that plays fly half. 
who actually is very good. Yeah. I assume he's Irish. He sounds Irish. <laughs> yes. He's not Australian or something. And he's quite young. I mean, what what is the future for him? Well, so Sexton signed on until 21, isn't he? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what he does there. I suspect that might be a day because he, he'll be t- 35, 36 at that point. Um, does Carberry come back when Sexton leaves? Does Burn Because Burn will get more and more game time. And he's already getting... A ton of it. A ton of... With all the Irish internationals. I mean, if, I mean I'm not saying he's... Champions Cup game time as well. I was, I was just distracted. Um, were you talking about... Just just talking about Ross Byrne? Yes. Because apparently Ross Byrne's younger brother is like a, a ridiculous talent. Did you spot him in, in the under-20s? No, when I was over... <laughs> when I, was, I, I didn't spot him at all. I was, t- I, was, I was... He was put on my radar when I was chatting uh, in Leinster last weekend. I can't remember who I was talking to. Can't remember. Might have been. Might have been. No, I don't want to name drop. That just sounds lame. So, <laughs> anyway, I was chatting to someone and they just said it's it's Ross Burns' younger brother. Is ah. the one. He's, he's like a, a generational type talent, apparently. Wow, yeah. that's quite interesting. Mm. Quite interesting to know. Um, yeah. So the the Ireland team looks as you'd expect, pretty, pretty devastatingly good. So Bucky's Ireland probably Bucky's favourites. Yeah, <laughs> definitely Bucky's favourites. Definitely my favourites. To win the tournament, especially with Stockers. Yeah. Harry Harry Byrne is the name you need to look out for. Yeah, well done, Tim. There you go. Stockers. So, Stockers is joint top try scorer with, I know this. <laughs> Sorry, for what was this? Don't try- in, in, in the Champions Cup, but that but also in the Pro 14. So oh, really? Top, the same person who is joint top try scorer in the Champions Cup is also the top try scorer in the Pro 14. Oh, I do not know. So Stockers it- plus oh, I don't know. one of your favourite players. Someone you think should be starting Little for Ireland. Cannonball. Espido? Oh, no, that's uh, for Italy. Um, cannonball of a player. You, you think he should be starting? Muscular, s- little, round, explosive ball of muscle. You, you're, you're confusing me. I have no Hooker. idea. Instead of the oh, Cronin captain. Oh, really? Um, Cronin. 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 Yeah. Legend. He's having an amazing season. He is an amazing player, though, isn't he? Yeah. Rumbling, controlling those driving malls. Do you know, he back. reminds me, uh, for obvious reasons, of... Um, uh, of Thomas Walden, which like he's not guaranteed to start, but when he when he does, he's surprisingly nippy. In fact, he's surprisingly devastating. He is. He's a very impressive runner. Yeah, I think most of his tries have been off the back of driving malls in the Champions Cup. But he but also scored that fantastic. Well, I say fantastic try, a very gassy try against, against Wasps. Wasps. He's all yeah. fast, fast twitch, isn't he? Yeah, but he's for a guy who's so big as well, but he's a great power, and he's, and he's such an amazing option. I mean, I can't think of a, another. I can't think of another front rower, maybe in world rugby at the moment, who's as explosive as him. Particularly coming from uh, the bench. Uh, Rory Best. Rory Best, of course. I mean, maybe Carl Sinclair. Sinks. He's a bit more powerful, isn't he? A bit more... Dane Coles. Yeah. yeah. Slightly different. I think Dane Coles is more of a, like an athletic type about, rather than uh, just raw explosivity. Taniela Tupu. Um, <laughs> well, Taniela Tupu. The oh, Tongan yes, Thor. totally. Tongan Thor. Yes. Yeah, but you know he's up there. He's yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, Exeter Chiefs. While we've been podcasting, have about forty minutes ago tweeted uh, some big news in an hour. Uh, I'm assuming that's just going to be Jack Clifford or something like that. Is it nothing? Yeah. Why do I think it's not going to be like? I don't know. Bankruptcy. Yeah. No, it's not, uh, and I don't think there'll be a signposting that Ooh, either. Forty-seven minutes ago. Join us in an hour. Shall we just stay silent Th- then? For 13, the... 13 minutes for pure silence. 
so should we go through some transfers because we're sort of here? Yeah, go on. What have we got? Yeah. Well, Steve, Stephen Kitsoff rumored to be coming to the Premiership to play for Sale Sharks. Half a million pounds a year on a three-year deal. Yeah, I mean. Sale are looking at forwards and only forwards. They're not going to be signing anyone for their back division. That's you know, I, I can I can say that is true because Steve Diamond told me on the Rugby Dungeon. Um, he, he did also say that there's 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 five guys from South Africa coming in November, in August when we went to Sales Training Ground. Uh, in November, yeah. So I mean, there there, there are people. You know, in the works. Yeah, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, all, all, all I'm saying is, like, yes, yes, you're right, but th- things can change and goalposts can yes. shift. But they don't need anyone in the back line. No, oh, well, no, because no, they they're going to get Rob Dupree back for as a fly half. Yeah, in, surely like eighteen months time or something. It's a ridiculously long really? time before their contracts run out. Yeah, all oh, right. Um, yeah, so the backs will basically look after themselves with the kids coming through. But Kitsoff is an interesting one because obviously he's an amazing player. And the point which I sort of made... He'd make a World 15 if we were picking one, I think. Uh, yeah, I just don't know if it's a wise use of money. That's what that's what I'm thinking. Uh, because, of course, he's so expensive. Now, if he's so expensive and he is... You know, he plays like a £500,000 player, if that's what he is on, great. But the danger is that you can pay someone half of that and they pay and they can play something like 80% of a... You know, world-class player. And that's yeah. kind of the conundrum that River does, Clubs face now. Does that extra two hundred to three hundred thousand pounds does it get you that much difference? Exactly right. But it's it's interesting because the old Leicester mantra used to be your most expensive therefore or your most valuable player is your tight head prop. Yep. Your second most valuable player is your backup tight head prop. Exactly right. Now Kitsoff is I I'm sure he's a loose head. He is a loose head. So and they've already got one of the best. Ross Harrison. Yeah, Ross Harrison is one of the best loose heads in the league. And the thing which makes Ross Harrison valuable is the fact that he goes 80 minutes hard every, every week. He, 80 he minutes does every week, games. doesn't get injured. Touch, so, yeah. t- touch wood. He's so, had a phenomenal... In fact, he, he might... He he's might on be 200 the, games for sale. He might be the most valuable uh, loose head in the league because he j- is just always available yeah. and always plays 80 so minutes. if his value is based on the fact that he can play every minute of every game... Well, bringing someone in actually devalues one of your most valuable players. <laughs> you see what I mean? So, I, I, you know, I am massively up for um, world-class players playing in the Premiership, but I just think, you know, kind of at what cost? Uh, and it's a good be, question. Yeah, and that would be my overriding concern. And, you know, if you want to take this a step further, look at Wasps, constantly complaining about the salary cap. Well... You won't be complaining about the salary cap if you sign players who fit inside of it, and you, you know you're a bit smarter. Mm. So that's um, that's kind of what. But I I'd think. say to any any world class rugby players listening, Manchester is a brilliant city to live in. It is a yeah, and, wonderful and city nowhere near as expensive as London. And so you won't get recognised. You simply won't, you yeah, won't yeah. get recognised. You can do what Brian Majati used to do: go to Red's True Barbecue, get a banquet of like I, I remember I was seeing Brian Majati in yeah in, in uh, Red's True Barbecue right in the middle of town and he was there on his own it was the day that he'd obviously gone to meet Steve Diamond and sign yeah. on for sale look if you're a middle he had, he had a four person table with which was covered in food I've never seen one man demolished so much it was, so impre- it was a, a, a sight to behold if you're a middling world class rugby player yeah. uh, in the southern hemisphere currently listening to this podcast surrounded by women in a hot tub and you're sick of getting recognised, I can tell you right now that Bram Ujarty and Fafta Clerk can wander around Manchester and they don't get, get recognised. So there's no chance of you getting recognised. <laughs> but there's plenty of women in hot tubs. Uh, yeah. So come on up. Come on up. 
Uh, the hot tub in your gym's quite nice, isn't it, boys? It is, it is, yeah. yeah. It's good. Don't know, never been in. No, he just works out on Go's machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Dave Atwood um, apparently is leaving Bath. Did we cover that one off last week? Yeah, touched on that, yeah. Um, Leicester is interesting. Um, oh, actually, going out of Leicester, Mike Williams has signed for Bath. For Bath. Alongside a few others. Yeah. Alongside so, our mate Boise. And again, these and, are signing... Uh, Christian Judge. Christian Judge, and there's another one as well from Wasps, Stuart. Is Will it Will Stu- Stewart? Will Stewart. Stewart. So I don't like this either, really. I mean, it feels like they're bringing in, well, both Bath, sorry, I think Bath are bringing in a lot of average bodies and not going to get much game time out of them. Because if you look at how many props they've got, how do they settle on the ones that they that they like? Well, they have, they've had their fingers burnt the last couple of years because they've had so many injuries. So this, this, that's one of the reasons why they've ended up kind of with a flurry of mid-season signings for the past few years. Yeah, I, yeah, it does feel almost like they don't want to invest heavily in one guy because if that guy goes down, they're <laughs> yeah. screwed. Yeah. Um, so therefore, they've got lots of guys and they're just hoping one of these guys is going to be really, really good. The big signing yeah. of the week, though, and I, I love the impact that Bristol Bears have had on the Premiership social media game. I just noticed then, it doesn't. Fe- it didn't feel as weird saying Bristol Bears then. Mm. Mm. I to, I, that's the first time I've, I've said Bristol Bears and not thought... Ugh. How are you feeling about Gloucester Lions yet? Mm, no, thank you. But then I'll get used to it. Yeah, one day. Um, but I quite like Bristol Bears. Yeah, no, but Bristol Bears' social media game is is outstanding, and other clubs are starting to up their game, uh, like Wasps doing that slightly cheesy but very funny. I like, I love very it. cheesy, very cheesy, but I quite enjoyed the cheesiness of it. Um, Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah, spoof with Malachi Fakatoa, and the Die Young character is very funny. It was very funny. Uh, easily the funniest. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was, it was a little bit weird. So, Fekitori is a bigger name. Uh, Tamaga Allen is a much bigger bloke, yeah. much bigger player. The black prop that they signed in the same week, Hurricanes lad. He's a massive man. He is a, a big, big unit, big tired prop. Yeah, I worry for wasps. I just think, you know, for everyone that goes out, they're just trying. It feels like they're just trying to plug holes now. The the issue I have with it is the one thing I don't like. As much as I'm going, Malachi Fakatoa, brilliant. That'll be great to see him in the Premiership. And Tamuga Allen, that'll be that'll be really good just seeing a giant man that big. But it's not helping the England side. And there's a lot of money being spent. Stephen Kitsoff. There's a lot You're of right. that salary cap. Absolutely. And bearing in mind these are clubs which are not turning a profit and having to go to private investment. There's a lot of money being spent but, on I... people that are going to have the... no benefit whatsoever to the England team. And the, the bit... So to to kind of link both of those points you just made, the way that Wasps have done it in the last few years, I'll, I'll reference kind of three players, which is a very good example, who've all come one after the other after the other, which is Piatau, Beal, uh, Willie LaRue. Mm-hmm. And now kind of Fekito is a slightly different player, but feels like he's plugging that big name, big money gap. And all of them have done once two years, been very good, but a short-term solution and prevented someone like Rob Miller, who's a very talented exactly. player, from getting more game time. So it's, there, the, there is a big trade-off yeah. here. There is a slight context there in the sense that Wasps have had a transitional period with with their ge- geography, and that's going to have an impact on their academy system. But, but, what, but actually, being brutally honest, Wasps' academy has not f- functioned in the way that it needs to to make them a profitable... Mm. Um, force in the way that Saracens have done. Yes, I mean Saracens are Saracens have made their own players uh, very, very much in the Leinster mold. And I tell you, another club who are 
really comes to the fore in in this regard is Northampton. I mean, that is one of the smaller regions to be re- re- to be recruiting from, and, and they're swimming in a, a very well populated pool with Leicester, yeah, now Wasps, Worcester, and they they, they are managed to, managing to find kids left right left right and centre. And you know, it, it makes a huge huge difference, and and that will only get better the longer that Chris Boyd is involved. Mm. Now, uh, can I just take this conversation slightly... Oh, actually, no, I'll just talk about Leicester as well, uh, because there are a few bits and pieces going on. Meeting meeting tomorrow morning. Meeting tomorrow morning. (laughs) Big announcement. (laughs) Yeah, so um, apparently they are looking to promote uh, Tommy... Tommy... Raphael or Raphael? Raphael. 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 Is he a seven? Yeah, um, and then it looks like there's going to be quite, um, uh, quite, quite a few people being let go. Also, Jesse Creel, who they were targeting, sounds like he's off to off to Japan because the money he's been offered is outrageous. So no, Jesse Creel. And you don't, you don't have to play. Do a couple of days work in a like fixing mi- paper, mi- Mitsubishi fixing factory or fixing photocopiers. Yeah, exactly. Sorted. Mm. Yes, quite. Uh, Jack, Jacko Tauto, or whatever his name is. Jacko Tauto. Tauto. or whatever his name is. In uh, Brendan O'Connor, been offered a new deal. Uh, and f- apparently Mike Fitzgerald is out, as well as... Uh, Mike Williams. And M- Valentino... What's Mapa- his Mapalangi. Which is a shame, because I really liked him. Mapa- I thought he was Mapa- really Mapa- good. Mapapalangi. Mapapalangi. Uh, off to France. Oh, <laughs> sorry. In fact, there's loads. There, there, there are loads more names, but... You don't really want to hear them, do you? Nah. And Nathan Hughes, it was confirmed Nathan Hughes to Wasps. So I think we might, we, well, we probably first mentioned that a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, sorry, from Wasps to Bristol. Yeah. Massive, massive shakeups everywhere. Mm. Um, I just want to take this conversation off on a, a, a quick tangent, and I'll edit okay. this out if you don't want me to continue with it. But I was chatting on Twitter, and I'm not going to hit the button. <laughs> that cesspit. Yeah, this, what? <laughs> Uh, to a guy who was talking about uh, the Premiership not being a viable business business model because they lose money. Do you think it needs? Uh, do you think the pro- the Premiership needs to be profitable? Is my my basic question. Um, honest answer is probably not. Yes, but I will. I will reference. I know I've referenced this multiple times in the past, but I will reference a very good book that I think everyone should read: Soconomics. Which, even if you don't really care about football, soccer, it's very, very good. It explains sport and business and sport and things like Moneyball and lots of other things. And that, so it highlights the fact that from the 80s to where we are now, although the book was written about five years ago, the uh, the revenue of Premiership or Premier League football clubs increased a hundred times from what was very small businesses to what are still relatively small businesses, but uh, much, much bigger. And profits didn't increase at all because it basically it was just a way of funneling money to the players. Mm. But that doesn't really matter because if you are a very wealthy man, someone like uh, Nigel Ray yep. or Bruce Craig, yep. and you have your fingers in lots of different pies, you will be making a lot of money from other things. And the fact that you own a rugby club or a football club will make those other businesses more attractive and give you more ways of networking and more people want to do business with you. So that one business standalone doesn't necessarily need to make money as long as the consequences are, or you even you believe the consequences are, your other businesses are doing very well. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with this now, which is I, I don't think 
the Premiership will ever make money. And, and, and let's not think necessarily of the Premiership, but let's think of other business, uh, other clubs. Sorry, you know, throughout England, Wales, Scotland, almost every club has got a wealthy benefactor behind it. Usually, usually the chairman, whether it be you know whoever it is. You know, wasn't such a pocket builder? Yeah, yeah, H. 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 Smith and Sons. Yeah, like there's always someone very, behind good it. Builder. And, I, and I think it, you know, good, very good. Yeah, they basically. You know they do it because they 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 enjoy it, or because, like you say, it's good for networking. But so, with all that said, I don't think it's impossible that the Premiership will make money. Um, and I think really, the they're on the right route for it because the way that you're going to make money is both through more fans going to games, which some clubs can't really have more fans going to games because they're constantly a sellout. Mm. Although you can start charging more. Yep. Um. But, but uh, the but, bath model, as, as I've had bath model. many, many times. Yeah. Fewer seats, more money, yeah. more expensive seats. Um, and TV. And the more competitive the league is, the more games people want will want to watch because the more big games, the more historic rivalries there are in that league. And so the more people are willing to pay for TV rights, which we have already seen, yeah. the TV rights are increasing and increasing. So it, you don't ha- my, my view is you don't have to make money. I very conceivably see that in, say, five years' time, if rugby keeps going on the same model and the Premiership keeps going on the same model, they you might see a flip where kind of instead of only 20% of the teams making money, you might see 60 70% of the teams making yeah, money. Yeah, I'll tell you another thing as well, because just on this same sort of, sort of conversation, the, it was made up like, should rugby be at the mercy just of millionaires, of millionaires' whim? And I don't even see it like that. In fact, I think one of the best guarantees of rugby clubs being run well is the fact that if you are a very wealthy individual, the idea that your reputation will be tarnished by what you did to this club by you know pulling the cash out or selling the ground, yeah, or stripping the assets, ass- yeah, all these all this nonsense which people that don't necessarily understand business talk about, uh, just it just isn't really an option. In fact, if anything, if you love rugby that much, you want to you know plow your children's inheritance into it. Maybe it's in fairly good hands. Just a thought. The Exeter Chiefs have just tweeted. Oh, yes. Oh, so oh, that, that it killed was the 13 minutes. I was prattling on new about... New contracts uh, for Jack Knoll, Henry Slade, Luke Cowan Dickey. Two-year deals. Two years? Is that it? Hmm. All right. Not entirely surprising. Great. I, I, I would be surprised if those three left and went anywhere else. Because they're... Right, peak age, they'll have another... Six eight years of England potentially. Yeah, and uh, also if they play I'm, the cards right. I would they've, be amazed if Exeter don't have some young kids snapping at their heels anyway. They've only ever known Devon, those those guys, Devon and Cornwall in yeah. Jack, Jack Knowles' case, and Henry Slade. I don't know if he's with someone, but he was he was you know basically being a bit unlucky in love for such a devilishly Henry handsome, Slade is unlucky such, in love for such a devilishly Hang handsome on, man. Is he single? I don't know if he is now, but he was a while back. I'm going to say, if he's single, he he's, is he's remarkably not... lucky. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, to, oh, to be a 25, 26-year-old Henry, Henry, Slade. Henry Slade. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. That, but, is, that but is lucky. Imagine, but, but imagine him in, in Manchester Ooh, instead of yes. Devon, instead of Exeter. I went to uni in Exeter, I, and, I can tell, and I've been back there And you've been in Manchester, and, so you know, tell us how And thought it's... Uh, it's an incredible, incre- like re- when you go back there, having lived in a city in, from Manchester for the last however many, 12 years or whatever, it, Exeter is tiny. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you you really lived in in like the pick, in like the pick of the rugby small towns, Exeter, Exeter, Bath, Bath and uh, uh, now yeah, Manchester. You've not done Worcester. That's a pretty small town. Yeah, uh. Gloucester would be the other one. Yeah, Gloucester's not massive, is it? No, neither, neither is Northampton really. No, you're right. I've lived in Northampton as well. Have you for about nine months? Doing what? I was working. It was my first radio gig, and I was I was living in Northampton in the week, just off the Wellingborough Road where all the rugby players go for coffee, and. Uh, and then I was driving back to Bath, where I was living, at weekends. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I lived um, in Richmond, but, uh, <laughs> not near Harlequins. And I thought I was going to move to Richmond near Harlequins. <laughs> Turns out it was Richmond, North, uh, uh, North Yorkshire. I only realised that when I stood up and said, thank you. I said, tomorrow I, we'll be driving to North Yorkshire. I, lived I did have a chuckle as I was driving from Newcastle to Leicester <laughs> and saw Richmond and just had, a, just had a laugh. Six <laughs> months there, played one game for Darlington. Thanks, lads. I do appreciate that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Devastating. Any other business? No, I don't think so. I think we've um, and we don't have any. We haven't talked about next next weekend's games. It's Premiership Rugby Cup. I couldn't care. Less. Although, do watch on BT Sports. It'll be great. Yeah, are you, you going to be working Premiership? Yeah, Cup? It's, uh, Bristol versus. Is it weird that you're going to be the highlight of a of, of a rugby broadcast? I don't know what That's you're not weird. About. Well, it's standard, isn't it? Even more of a highlight of a <laughs> of a rugby <laughs> yeah. broadcast. Bristol, there'll be more Bristol people. V Exeter. Tu- there'll be more people turning in to watch you two than there will be to watch the rugby uh, no no but the Premiership Rugby Cup's done very well and you've got Bristol v Exeter two mm. proud rugby hotbeds it'll be good and yeah I, I do a, like a message isn't he I, I probably I'll probably give my, myself a week off of watching like three plus 80 minute games yeah. just to prepare for the Six Nations but I will I always like seeing the team sheets just to see is there any Pro 14 on obviously they take the week off before an international uh, well there won't be any good t- players playing I don't think there is any games but I'll just check. Next weekend will be our Six Nations preview. Oh, is. is there? There's I mean, a we full, shouldn't really talk about that. There's they, a full schedule of Pro 14. No, because they're not going to play any good players in it. So No, they're not. If they? they can't be bothered to pick any decent players, I uh, can't be bothered to talk about it. So it is It is the uh, Egg Chasers Ball. Oh, is it? Ul- Ulster Benetton. Excellent. And also, what should be a phenomenal game, Leinster Scarlets. Ugh. Will not be a phenomenal game. No, it won't be. But the be- uh, but the but the egg chaser bowl is it? Yeah, only a few players missing potentially. Yeah, that could be a good one. Mm. Dean Bud and the boys. I expect to. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Talking of irrelevant, ru- irrelevant rugby. There is one thing we should mention before we go. Northampton winning one hundred eleven seven three three. How was it three three? Okay, they have not only have they cost Timosaurus Saracens their soul. And forty grand. Yeah, they've also put one hundred and eleven points on them. That massive fine has really helped Romanian rugby. It's been a real boost. Yeah, they've learned their lesson from it. Like the last time a rugby club was abused this badly by another rugby club, it was Saracens abusing Northampton. <laughs> it's even worse than that. <laughs> so. And on that, we will uh, see you next weekend for the Six Nations preview podcast. And let the boys play. Let the boys play. Thank